We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, goes for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house. This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater, throw into the end zone. Touchdown! Samuel still on his feet, inside the five, to the end zone. Touchdown! What a play! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He pounded. Here we go. Another edition. We're still doing these shows, Billy. Another edition of The Roar on Blue Wire. John Ellis right here. That's Billy Marshall over there. We'll hear from him in a minute. As well as our guest, We'll talk about uh, his bona fides momentarily here. Glad to have you on board here. we got a big show, and we're going to talk everything related to your Carolina Panthers from a data perspective, from an analytical perspective, from a perspective that's much smarter than most shows are giving it to you because our guest is Warren Sharp this week. SharpFootballAnalysis.com is where you check him out. He's got this great new book, 2020 Football Preview. We're looking at it right now. It is good stuff, great reading material. And we welcome Warren to the Roar here on Blue Wire. Warren Sharp, how you doing, buddy? Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Definitely excited to talk Panthers with you in a little bit here. But, yeah, uh, my book is out now. It's uh, three and a half months of work go into this. And I certainly had plenty of time with the situation going on, the pandemic worldwide, to uh, – 
to just sit here and do a lot of research. And that's one of the reasons why the book this season was 360 pages as opposed to prior editions, which was around 250 pages. But I dive deep into every single one of the 32 teams in the league. And I try to analyze what went wrong for them last season. Why did they not meet their goals? What were their goals? What were they trying to do? Why didn't they get there? I look at everything from a deep dive into personnel to strategies, philosophies, execution, um, then I look at how they change from last year to this year with regard to coaching staff, which you guys obviously have a lot of change there, with regard to free agency, the draft, et cetera. And I look at what I think these teams are going to produce on the field this upcoming season. I try to share a lot of nuggets that uh, people won't find anywhere else. And then in addition, it's laden with a lot of color graphics and color charts and tables that are really going to give you a good uh, visual representation of how your team compared to league averages, et cetera. So I think it's a great uh, resource. I have a copy sitting here and I look at it almost every single day. And I, it's something I look at during the course of the season as well uh, and use it as a reference guide. So I think a lot of people and your fans will probably enjoy it. And you say here in your book that Carolina used the six most pre-snap motion the first three quarters last season. And obviously that was under the Turner's Norvin Scott. But looking back at how the Saints did with Teddy Bridgewater last season, what kind of areas do you think are transferable? Because obviously Joe Brady has experience with Sean Payton, and I expect the Panthers' offense look not maybe a replica, but some a lot of the same principles, you know, as what, what the Saints usually implement. How do you see that dynamic working out? Well, look, I think one of the biggest things that we're possibly going to see here is the Teddy Bridgewater getting the ball out of his hands relatively quickly um, and using more empty sets. I know Joe Brady used a lot of empty sets when he was at LSU, and it was a big staple of their offense to do that, especially when he was expecting blitz. And a lot of teams might think, you know, the opposite. You would want to use a heavier set to keep guys back in protection. But what he wanted to do was get the ball up quickly. He felt like the five-man protection actually gives up fewer sacks um, and gets the quarterback to review the defense, possibly with a little bit of pre-snap motion to see what the defense is going to be giving the quarterback, where his matchup and edges are before the snap, and then execute on those uh, pass plays early on um, and have strong confidence right after the snap to get the ball to the right read. Uh, but that was actually one of the things that Teddy Bridgewater excelled at. He excelled at getting the ball out quickly last season. He was one of the most productive quarterbacks in the league um, on empty sets. Uh, among 38 quarterbacks with at least 20 empty set attempts last year, Bridgewater ranked second in completion percentage and had the 13th lowest sack rate at only 3.3%. Um, and he was in 11th in total EPA out of empty sets, despite ranking 33rd in the NFL in pass attempts out of empty sets. So um, I think he did a very good job and was proficient with that. A lot of people don't realize that about Teddy Bridgewater, that he can be a guy who gets the ball out quickly. So um, I think that he should be able to fit in well to some of the things that they're going to be looking to implement here uh, in Carolina starting in year one. Yeah, and you're speaking of this offense, Joe Brady, who worked under Sean Payton there for a little bit of time in New Orleans, 
brings some interesting concepts here to Carolina. Of course, the five-man protection stuff he ran as the pass game coordinator at LSU was fascinating to watch. But I go back to his time in New Orleans, and Sean Payton has been consistent about one thing over the years, and that's the ability, when needed, to pound the football with power. 21 personnel, 22 personnel, 12 personnel. Carolina does have some of the personnel fits for that. So with Christian McCaffrey in play, give us a sense of Joe Brady's offense, not only from a passing perspective, but maybe some of the Sean Payton influence in the run game. Absolutely. I hope he does. Um, I hope he does it more than what we anticipate right now because, look, the way that my general philosophy on offense, and I talk to coaches about this, is the only way that you're not going to beat the defense, uh, generally speaking, there's only two ways you're not going to beat the defense. Because of the rules construct that exists right now in the NFL and the advantages that are given to offenses. Number one, you just have a terrible quarterback and a terrible offensive line, and you're just completely outmatched compared to the talent on the other side of the football. Or number two, you're being too predictable. Anytime that you can be unpredictable, that's the goal offensively. The way that you stay unpredictable is you avoid predictable situations. Number one, you can't be predictable from a personnel grouping perspective. You can't be predictable from, well, if this guy's on the field, you know, this particular passing tight ends on the field, we're going to pass about 85% of the time. You know, those types of things are just terrible to have that level of predictability with your exact personnel out on the field. And then it's just avoiding the situations that might be most likely to uh, be pass situations. So those would be like, you know, third down and obvious pass um, or having too strong a tendencies on like what you're doing on second and 10, for example, uh, things like that where the defense can pick up tendencies. But when you stick a fullback out on the field, Two things happen. Number one, you could be very dynamic with your play calling because you can actually move this guy around a little bit. And if the guy can catch some passes, which is the key vital uh, vital element of this, if he can catch some passes, be utilized as a weapon in the passing game as well. We're not talking about you know him being as as uh, beneficial as you know. Uh, for example, a Curtis Samuel, but somebody who's able to get a mismatch on a defensive player and take advantage of that, you know, the times that he needs to, that's a big queen on the chessboard move. That's a big move that you're going to be able to stay unpredictable. Um, And so I think that element there of being unpredictable is a massive edge for uh, fullbacks out on the field. Um, and then the other factor to having fullbacks out there is you could take advantage of the fact that defenses generally are getting a little bit lighter and quicker. You know, if you're playing a lot of five man, uh, you got five guys spread out and the defenses have to get into some lighter personnel groupings, um, then you can rotate on to packages that have the fullback. And suddenly this defense is going to be in conflict. Um, you know, they're going to have that you might be able to catch them with lighter protections. Then you have a guy like a fullback out there. And we've seen across the league, a lot of the teams that are having success in the NFL are teams that are using fullbacks more frequently. And the Saints were one of those teams that use fullbacks at an extremely high rate that have done so for several years, that have made the playoffs consistently. Um, And like you said, Joe Brady comes from that school of thought. He has experience with that philosophy. And if you guys already have a good fullback down there, then I think He's going to hopefully take advantage of that at a rate that's going to keep defenses guessing um, and give a big advantage to the Panthers' offense. Yeah, and that's a lot of what we're hoping for. And another thing that 
gives us some optimism, at least as far as the Panthers, is the skill talent. And I know you write, wrote here, you do a lot of fantasy work as well. What do you? What's your overall impression of the skill talent? Because Samuel, he obviously offers something, but uh, we felt that he was kind of held back by Kyle Allen last year with a lot of the throws that were just way off target. And then Robbie Anderson's always been a pretty intriguing player. He has experience with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, and then, you know, controversially, they paid Christian McCaffrey, which, you know, he is a running back, but we know he can do a lot more. Um, so what's your entire take on the skill talent currently in Carolina? Well, I think, look, you guys have the ability to be very dynamic. I think that you guys have the ability with the types of receivers that you have, and especially when you throw Christian McCaffrey into that mix, um, of really giving the quarterback a lot of levels to look at. You know, on route concepts, you have guys that are going to be able to win quick and short. You have guys that are going to be able to win deep. You guys, you have guys that are going to be able to win across the middle of the field. Um, so you check a lot of those boxes. I think you've got a very dynamic group of receiving talent there. Um, it's just a matter of execution. And, you know, I wrote in the book, but – Kyle Allen was actually really good executing on first down, well above average in some of the uh, like yards per attempt and EPA and some of the other uh, success rate metrics um, that we utilize in the NFL right now from an analytics perspective. But he fell off much more so on second down and third down in situations where the defense could predict that it was going to be a pass a little bit more often. Everything across the board started to fall apart for him. Um, and this was a case where I think he was coached up really well early on uh, in terms of like first downs, first quarter, second quarters of games, but you get into like the second half of games, you get into second down, third down, those situations where uh, the defense could predict things a little bit more or he was having to change things up on the fly and it wasn't as pre-programmed for him what he was doing, he was not nearly as good. So I think that you guys with Bridgewater and with a system that is tailored to Bridgewater's strengths, and I think he's going to, uh, I don't know that excel in because we haven't seen it yet, but I think he's going to be effective in this offense. Um, I think that you guys have the requisite talent there to be able to keep defenses guessing and keep them honest with what you're doing, especially with McCaffrey out there as dynamic as he can be, whether, you know, the defense maybe won't know if it's a run play or if it's going to be a pass play. Are we going to target McCaffrey? Are they, are they using heavy personnel? Are they using, you know, lighter personnel, spreading things out? Like there's a lot of things I think you can do with this unit. Nobody's going to confuse this unit with like, the best offensive receiving core in the NFL. Like, but they are, in my opinion, no worse than average. I think this, this unit here uh, is dynamic. I'm interested to see how Robbie Anderson looks away from Adam Gase in the New York Jets offense uh, because we know the quarterback situation, the offensive line situation there hasn't been an ideal, but also I'm not a big Adam Gase fan. So I'm interested to see how he fits in with this offense at Joe Brady. Yeah, and just speaking on that from a bigger, pers more macro perspective here, your forecast has Carolina at five and a half wins, which kind of seems in line with a lot of different sports books. How are you coming to that conclusion? Is this like, because it is a new coaching staff, a lot of new uh, personnel, what goes into a lot of your key metrics when you come up with the forecast and what do you see for this team? I mean, I know you just alluded to a little bit of it, but wins and losses, what do you kind of see for, envision for this team in the 2020 season? 
Well, it's difficult because your schedule clearly um, is not easy. You're going to play a top 10 difficulty uh, strength of schedule overall. Uh, you're going offensive side of the football, defensive side of the football. Um, you, you're dealing with a lot of good run defenses this upcoming season. So you may not be able to lean as heavily onto the run game as perhaps, you know, like a new coach might like to do with a quarterback that he hasn't worked with before um, in, in this system. Uh, but I think that this is a team that has upside. And although the sports books do have a relatively low win total, I mean, clearly this division is, is ridiculous. Teddy Bridgewater has been like kryptonite to sports books and to people that want to fade him. Um, he has led his team when you're talking about betting on NFL, you're talking about covering the spread. His spread record is 31 and 9. That's a 78% record when he has played in, the, in games and attempted at least one pass. That's absolutely absurd. Uh, since 2014, wow. uh, obviously we know that he filled in for Drew Brees, went 6-0 and straight up and against the spread. Um, back, back in his last full season as starter, we have to go back to 2015, he went 14-3 and against the spread with North Turner and the Minnesota Vikings. That's an 82% cover rate. He was 11-6 and straight up. And on every single team that Bridgewater has played on and started games for, They've gone over their projected win total. He's a perfect 4-0 and in seasons. His team has exceeded their projected win total. So he's not like Cam. He's not super flashy, but he's been a proven winner, and clearly he gets consistently underestimated by sports books and line makers who are setting lines on his team, who are setting lines on uh, whether it's, you know, in game or it's overall what this team is going to do. So if you're asking me if this was a normal off season and we didn't have this pandemic and the Panthers were able to work with one another all off season and they were able to play four preseason games and really get a chance to evaluate the full roster to pick the best guys to make this squad get enough practice time in this new system and and you were presenting me with five or five and a half wins as their win total i would take the over even though the schedule's tough even though um there's a lot of things working against them i would still take the over the problem is this confusing off season the lack of time that they have to work together the lack of preseason games you know it's it's just going to be difficult to get me on board of wanting to take the over on a team that I know has a difficult schedule and it's so much change on the roster. But I, I think what I'm trying to say, bottom line is I expect this team to be a little bit more competitive than other people probably do, but I'm worried about the off season of uncertainty and of lack of practice. Warren, a while back, we talked about Cam Newton and where he might fit in outside of Carolina, because I think Billy and I were pretty certain by the time the combine rolled around, the commitment was just not there from that rule all the way. And I started pushing New England as a dynamic fit. I want to get your perspective on that fit schematically, uh, the Eric Hart Perkins system that they have adopted in New England over the years and have modified since, but same concepts. And Carolina's had some experience with that too with Cam down here. How does the scheme fit for Cam and the personality culture stuff that gets talked about in the media, probably a little too much. What's your opinion on that? Well, he definitely has a much different personality than Tom Brady, although I think they both have a highly competitive element to them um, that you're not going to achieve the 
levels of performance that either have achieved in their careers without being highly, highly competitive people. And they have chips on their shoulder. And clearly that's been evident by some of the quotes that Cam has been uh, uttering this off season. So he's got something to prove up there. And I actually don't mind the fit whatsoever. I think a lot of people are looking at it from the perspective of, well, if Tom Brady couldn't get it done with these weapons, we know Cam's not the passer that Tom Brady is. This offense is going to look the same, if not worse. Like it cannot possibly look any better with Cam Newton in there. But I think what we have to understand is uh, open our minds to the possibility that they are going to do things differently. And that could make the offense look better. In addition they're going to be getting different looks from defenses, which could also make the offense look a little bit better. So as you guys know from your time in, you know, from his time down there, defenses play Cam differently than they play other quarterbacks in the NFL due to the amount of running he may, he, uh, he takes as well as just his ability to scramble out of the pocket. So you're going to have more oftentimes that defenses have to spy him or play them differently when they think a run could be coming. Um, and what it ends up doing is, for example, against 11 personnel, the league average is to play dime, which is 60 B 17% of the time, but against Carolina and Cam Newton specifically, defenses were only playing dime 7% of the time, which is a, which is significantly lower. Um, when Kyle Allen was back in there, they shifted the dime back up to the normal rate that uh, league average. So Cam got to face fewer DBs out on the field, and we know that Josh McDaniels uses a lot of pre-step motion, and that allows Cam to see where guys are matched up and where mismatches might occur on the field before the snap, and that's such a big edge for a quarterback, especially one in a new offense. Number two, you get the ability for them to be able to run against different box counts. Cam's Panthers were able to run the football against your normal seven-man box, certainly against boxes that were lighter, but also against heavier boxes, oftentimes because you're leaving a guy unblocked on some of these plays where he's reading what that unblocked guy is doing, and you don't even have to block him. So an eight-man box actually becomes a seven-man box, and you have a quarterback who's running the football. So you're literally like a plus-two edge compared to what some of the other teams are doing out there on the field. Um, so from that perspective, I think – they're going to have more success running the ball against heavier boxes, which was actually something the Patriots struggled with. Although they won the 2018 Super Bowl and were a top 10 run offense that year, they were actually only top 10 when they ran the ball against lighter boxes. When they had to run the ball against seven-man boxes, average count, or eight-plus boxes, heavier boxes, they were below. They were average to below average in terms of their efficiency against those box counts. Um, so I think that also Josh McDaniels is one of the more creative offensive minds in the NFL. And we know that New England constantly is modifying what they want to do based upon personnel. And so they're going to be able to adapt to what they're doing to fit things that Cam does. And I really think that it's going to be a good marriage because especially early on in the season, since you don't have a lot of practice, things that may not work. These are guys, these guys are some of the best that are going to be able to flip things around and do something different mid-game after one or two weeks, do something totally different in week three and week four that many other teams aren't able to do or aren't creative enough to think that we could hope to implement something so much, so radically different after the first two weeks of the season. So these guys are guys that are going to adapt their offense to Cam's strengths and do so pretty quickly in the course of the season. So from that perspective, I'm excited and intrigued to watch it. But we know that Cam will go as far as his body can take him, right? And when he's healthy and he can run the football, he's a dominant force out on the football field. 
But when he's banged up or his, his legs, especially his wheels are taken out from him, then he's not going to be the same type of guy. So we know that he needs to have health, and we know that that's possibly a factor into why you guys moved on from him. Uh, but Cam, if he's healthy, is going to be really exciting to watch up in New England with the way that they're using him. Well, Warren, let me tell you something. I told Billy if we had you on the show, first of all, we'd be lucky as hell to get that booking. But second of all, you'd make me smarter. You'd make him smarter. You would make the audience smarter because your work is second to none at sharpfootballanalysis.com, at sharpfootball on Twitter. He's Warren Sharp. The big book. Let's get it out there, Warren. Talk to our listeners about how they can find the 2020 preview book that you've just put out. Well, I just think everybody should take an opportunity to check it out. We have a free chapter on the Pittsburgh Steelers up at the website, up at sharpfootballanalysis.com. If you want to check it out, you can look through that chapter, see the way that these chapters are laid out, see the graphics and images that you're getting. But I really think it's something that is going to be great for you to read through over the next couple of weeks and then refer back to his reference manual uh, later on as you're looking to build your fantasy football squads this season and Frankly, guys, I'm just excited with all the news that's coming out of late. I really feel like the the tide has turned. It looks like we're going to be getting a football season. It looks like the season will probably start on time. Um, And so I'm really optimistic right now, whereas I was a little bit more pessimistic a few weeks ago, even as late as Sunday, when all these players were tweeting out their their kind of like messages from the PA about we want to play football. So uh, I really am optimistic that – as the deadlines are getting here, these two parties are coming to agreements on things, and we're going to get a season uh, that hopefully will start on time. So I just can't wait for that to happen. But if you guys want to be prepared for that season, I, I recommend going to sharpfootballanalysis.com and checking out the guide. Outstanding stuff. I highly recommend this book, folks. Get out there. Make the investment. It's the ultimate prep sheet for the 2020 season and a look back at 2019 it'll make you a lot smarter it's an easy read but it's very deep and dynamic as well warren sharp thanks for joining us man stay safe be well and we'll talk to you down the road buddy whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.